Hi, my name is Nina Bosky, and I'm the host of a special investigation series of Maryland Behind the Icon during the 60th anniversary of the star's death, where we'll look into the mystery and break down for you, the audience, of what the facts are versus the lies around the star that have been plaguing her for over six decades. We have some of the top Maryland experts with me on the panel. Gary Vitaco Robles, icon, lifetimes in films of Marilyn Monroe, and April Via Via, now Chambers, Marilyn Monroe, A Day in the Life, and Donald McGovern, Murder Orthodoxies, a non-conspiracy view of Marilyn Monroe's death. Each week, we will break down for you what is fact, what is probable theory, and what is outlandish rumor. In June of 2020, Mark Shaw investigates in his book, Collateral Damage, the connection between the mysterious deaths of motion picture screen siren Marilyn Monroe, President John F. Kennedy, and What's My Line TV star and gossip columnist Dorothy Kilgallen. In this book, we have broken down for you what is a fact, what is a probable theory, and what is an outlandish rumor. And Shaw does a very good job at blending all of these elements, telling a good story. And the challenge with that is it perpetuates an industry and it's big business. And it's called Marilyn Monroe Murdered. It has all of the sensationalism that intrigues people. In Shaw's book, he claims that Bobby Kennedy was in LA the day Marilyn died. Most of us have heard that rumor because nobody actually has proof. But there is proof of where he was that day. So let's hear what the experts have to say, starting with who is John Bates? One of the most controversial parts of the Maryland story, whether or not Bobby Kennedy was in Los Angeles the night Marilyn Monroe died. And so you have a gentleman named John Bates. I'll, I'll just throw it to you, Gary, about John Bates, who he was and why Bobby Kennedy was with him the weekend that Marilyn Monroe died. Bates was the board president of the San Francisco Bar, and he was in private practice He also had a ranch. He raised cattle. He grew Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. He was actually offered by JFK to serve as an assistant to the attorney general, Um, but he declined that offer in order to remain committed to his law firm. And so Robert Kennedy, his wife, and some of his children were invited along with other families to the Bates Ranch in Gilroy, California, which is kind of north of San Francisco, kind of in the San Jose area. And they were doing horseback riding. I think they camped that weekend. And then Kennedy and his family were en route to the Seattle World's Fair, where I think they were supposed to arrive on Monday. And so there were many other families that were invited to the ranch, along with Kennedy, his wife and kids. Joseph Tidings, uh, U.S. attorney from Maryland, and another gentleman, Edward Kalan, who was a stockbroker. And there was actually a ranch hand who was interviewed. Um, so the family uh, rode into the mountains that weekend. Uh, they arrived on Friday, and that was covered by the San Francisco Chronicle, and they went up to the Bates Ranch. So there's also, Don, Shaw implies that, that he uncovered this Bates family photo, which is hidden for nearly six decades. But that's actually not true. Why? 
No, that photograph was one of 10 that was published by Susan Bernard in 2011 in her book, uh, Maryland Intimate Exposures, which dealt with her father's association with Maryland. That's just one of 10 photographs that was taken on that particular day, August the 4th in 62. So the photograph has been around for at least a decade. Yeah, so he makes this claim, and actually the claim isn't true. And then also he suggests that there's a similar station wagon which appears in the distance in the photograph of the two men wheeling Marilyn's body into the cemetery mortuary in the same car. Same car, that it was driven from Gilroy to Marilyn's death scene, which would have taken at least three hours one way, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm from Northern California, and I live in L.A., no way you're going to get there in three hours. <laughs> I'm just telling happen. you. No, it's not yeah. going to happen. But let me just say this, guys. The problem with this part of the story is that there are a lot of people that go on tape over the years saying that they saw Bobby Kennedy in Los Angeles. We talked a lot about it in our last investigation prior to these books coming out. The facts are actually out there. It's just that they're not being told in mass media. So if you have somebody telling a story a juicy story as it could be because you've got politics, you got sex, you got all this it, it makes for really good good storytelling. But in this part of the investigation, it's really important that we break it down for people, a potential with the fact that um, these two men in Marilyn's body, let's just say we've already told you that Marilyn's body was never being wheeled out. Um, April, would you like to add to this? I think Gary covered this really well, but just kind of recap what he said. Pat held off photographers from and the press from getting super invasive while Marilyn's body was still there. And somebody takes it, somebody runs with it, and then a bunch of stories stem off of that. People just run with things and it becomes so convoluted, but the information's there. It's readily accessible. And the fact of the matter is the photo was taken not at Marilyn's house. It was taken at Westwood. And and you can go there right now and see that building. You know, that building still exists. Um, Nina, you and I were there in 2017. <laughs> I stood in the area where that footage is being shot. And if you look at those French doors, you know, when you look at the gable of the roof, claiming that that is Marilyn's house. There were no French doors in Marilyn's house at the time. She had some, I think, a French door that might have opened from the living room to the pool. But there were no French doors in her bedroom or the front of the house. So, you know, you can go to the house to see that. You can go to Westwood and you can stand in the very shot where that photograph was taken and, and you can see the original building. So the evidence is out there. The other thing that I also want to point out um, that Russo makes a, a claim that John Bates was a mobster attorney. Uh, Don, why could that not have been true? Well, he just wasn't. I mean, <laughs> I communicated with his son, John Bates Jr., and uh, posed a question to him if his father had ever been involved with the mob in any way. And he told me, John Bates Jr. told me, his father was not a criminal attorney. He was a civil attorney, and he never appeared before any legislative body ever uh, in his life. So when you start to look at where Bobby Kennedy was, you have a lot of eyewitnesses that talk about that he was at the Bates Ranch, and there was multiple people there. There was multiple families there. So it wasn't just you know Bobby Kennedy and John Bates. 
but there is a lot of convoluted stories that talk about Bobby Kennedy being in Los Angeles the night uh, Marilyn died. We will have to break that down for people at a later date, but it's safe to say right now there is not any evidence based on Shaw's book and what he's talking about in terms of Marilyn. It's all based on innuendo. It's not based on fact. Is that true? Right. Right. It's all implied. It's all implied. And there's a lot of evidence to unpack there that people really need to understand why or why not Bobby Kennedy was not in Los Angeles the night Marilyn died. There's a lot of people that have gone on record, including L.A. officials that say, oh, that could have happened. And so that's where it becomes very convoluted. And then depending on who you believe and if our beliefs are that the Kennedys killed Marilyn Monroe, we're not going to hear anything else. So it's not until we start to process our information differently and we start to sort it out that we start to break down, huh, is this true? And I want you, as you're listening to these podcasts that we'll be doing for you, does it make logical sense? Right now, the fact is he was at the Bates Ranch. We do know that. There's multiple people that saw him there. There's a lot of theories and outlandish rumor that claim that Bobby Kennedy was in Los Angeles. Well, he was there with his four eldest children as well, which yeah, is important. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of evidence that speaks to that. There's a lot of information out there, though, whether it's fact or not, that implies well, different. Ten photographs, Nina, taken at all times of the day that show Bobby Kennedy was at that ranch all day long. It's, it's a fact. Well, I think the the key here, guys, and this is going to be a really important part of this, is um, I think breaking down for people so they understand the different sides. When you only hear one side of the story, which, by the way, that was me. I'm the average Joe. There was no way in the world when I first started this that you were going to convince me that the mob did not kill Marilyn Monroe. Okay, that's how strong my belief system was. But here's the thing. I was watching documentary after documentary after documentary. I was blown away when I would hear particularly Gary and you, April, and the rest of the panel talk about these facts. And it took me a while to start to go, huh, maybe what I'm hearing just isn't true. It's a good story. But then you bring in the whole Bates family What our goal is, is to be able to break down fact, probable theory, and outlandish rumor. When we put it in those buckets, then people can start to understand and figure out for themselves because I too was that person. But man, I'm just telling you, the truth is actually more fascinating than the made up rumors because you're going to be blown away too when you start to look at timelines and how some of this doesn't make sense. So let's talk well, about Mar- Marilyn was murdered is a is a industry. Yes, it is. It's a big thing you big bucks industry. Of, I think it needs to be said over and over again. It is an industry. Let's briefly, as our last kind of bullet here, talk about the fact that he makes a lot of assertions, like a lot of other authors do, about how Marilyn Monroe was murdered. So, Donald, why don't you take this one, and then I'll have April and Gary fill in the blanks. Well, basically, he says she was murdered with a bulb syringe, 
and a toxic solution of drugs that were injected into her rectum. That's basically it in a nutshell. And it's not supported scientifically by Maryland's autopsy. And from my research, it's extremely difficult to kill somebody or murder somebody through their rectum. Well, let me also say this, because we had Dr. Cyril Weck, who is a very famous forensic pathologist on our show uh, several years ago, and he's part of our investigation panel as well, who worked on major cases. He reviewed the JFK uh, assassination, the RFK, Bobby Kennedy assassination, OJ Simpson case, you know, huge, huge cases. And there's a lot of theories and outlandish rumors out there that are just not based on scientific evidence. What would you say to that? Most definitely. The thing I always tell people, if you don't believe the autopsy report, that's your thing. But you don't get to cherry pick the autopsy report and say, I agree with this part, but I don't agree with this part. You either believe it or you don't believe it. And my take on the autopsy report is for uh, an autopsy report of its day, it was very detailed. And that was because it was a celebrity death. And I think that the door was open for the conspiracy theorists when Thomas Noguchi, the gentleman who completed the autopsy, made reference of the purple discoloration of the colon. Once he said that, you had a bunch of amateur medical experts who all believed that the purplish discoloration indicated that somehow the death was related to some kind of a drug-laced enema or a bulb syringe or something related to the colon. And that reference probably would never have made it into the autopsy report had it not been Marilyn Monroe because there was the need to be even more detailed. And what Dr. Cyril Weck educated us about, because you do have to seek out the professionals in the medical field to interpret that. You can't interpret it as a lay person. And what he told us was that in any overdose death, the heart is going to slowly pump and there's backflow and organs begin to die because there's no circulation. And so the purplish discoloration of the colon, it's just sign that the organ was dying. That's all that means that in the 60 years since Marilyn's death, lay people have attributed this purplish discoloration to this rectal source of an overdose. And that's really easy to medically disprove. Um, But yet it goes on 60 years later, you know, these theories are still circulating. Didn't she suffer from ulcerated colitis? There is talk of that. And, and, you know, and I think I don't want to be disrespectful or too graphic, but, you know, the autopsy also reported that there was fecal matter. And so it's all very contradictory. Well, not only that, his, his scenario has Maryland being attacked on or about midnight of August the 4th, right before the 5th. And I don't think there's any question that Maryland was probably either dead by midnight or she was certainly in a coma. And the way that Dr. Cheryl Weck breaks it down for us, it starts to make sense because there is a lot of evidence that speaks to why there wasn't crystals in her stomach, why she died over time. I think on the Reels channel, the autopsy uh, show even broke it down for people as well. And so it starts to speak to logic, guys. And you have to really think about this from a logical standpoint. And I think that if we could do justice to Marilyn on her 60th anniversary of her death, it's important that we do Marilyn justice, not just tell a good story. Because at the end of the day, she's a human being. She's not just a movie star. She's not just a good story. She's a person just like everybody else. And I think that it's about time that we get the story straight. 
So with that said, I'd like to sum up the Mark Shaw book in terms of your last commentary of what you'd like people to know, why this book is based a lot on either probable theory or outlandish rumor and not a lot of fact. I'm going to start with you, Don. Well, Mark Shaw's book is basically a contrivance. I mean, that's about the only thing I can say about it. None of it is really factual. None of it. The challenge with this book, to be honest, if I was a person, I knew the basis of the Maryland story. And uh, when I was listening to it, I would have thought that he was saying the same thing that we are if you don't get all the facts and break them down because he blends fact with probable theory, outlandish rumor, and doesn't tell you which one is which. He's got no motivation to tell you what the truth is because that's not what he's after. Gary, what do you say to that? My issue with Shaw's book is that it's not responsible investigative journalism. And I know that this gentleman wrote another book about Dorothy Kilgallen. And so he is trying to insert Marilyn into his theories about Kilgallen and the Kennedys. And he's relying upon sources like Frank Capel and Robert Slatzer and Jack Clemens, all of whom have been disproven many times many years ago. And so the whole kind of foundation for his theories are based upon misinformation that has been disproven. So So, it's almost as if he hadn't done the extensive research and he has access to all of the information that we all do. In fact, probably even more so because of his standing and the credentials that he claims as an investigative journalist and someone involved in the media. So he's even using media photographs incorrectly. So that tells me he's a very smart man. So I don't think that he just is incorrect. I think it's almost like a manipulation of the writer where he's presenting information to us falsely to make an implication. I think the audience and how people are absorbing media where we get so much information that is convoluted. If you want the facts and really what is the breakdown, I think we've really surmised it here for you. Um, There's a lot of crop photographs. There's a lot of innuendos. The foundation of the book isn't based on facts. So that becomes even more of a challenge when you're telling a story like this. April, what are your closing comments here? The book is based on a fictional relationship when, you know, in actuality, that relationship's demise was very well documented. And I think that people have to look and say, you know, if this part isn't true, what else isn't true in the book? And I mean, it's like you said, Nina, it's a great story. It's kind of like a detective novel. I mean, you can see why people become engrossed and stuff like this. But at the end of the day, it's just not factually accurate. So there you have it. It's our first recap and debunk of the book, Mark Shaw's Collateral Damage. And actor Mark Wahlberg is optioning it. So let's hope that he's not making it into a documentary, but a fictional thriller, a movie that includes acting. Because like April said, it makes for a good story. But you got to ask yourself, is it true? And do we even want to know the truth at this point? Because Marilyn Monroe murdered is big business. Next week, we'll be back with more of the investigation into Marilyn's death. I'd like to thank my panel, Gary Vitaco Robles, Donald McGovern, and April Chambers. And we will be back with another set of books 
and we'll be debunking the Netflix documentary. Many of you have asked us to do that. The mystery of Marilyn Monroe, the unheard tapes right here for the 60th anniversary of her death. I'm Nina Boski for the Behind the Icon investigation series. The truth will be known.